It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search it out is the glory of kings. This is the Message to Kings podcast. Episode 308, Jesus at Caesarea Philippi and the Gates of Hell. Jesus and his disciples ventured north of Bethsaida and went to Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi is a city located at the base of Mount Hermon, and it's the headwaters of the Jordan River. It's 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. It's a city with an ever-changing name. In the time of Antiochus III, it was called Panion, after the Greek god Pan, for the cave was a worship site of the god Pan. In 20 BC, Herod the Great named it Caesarea, after Augustus Caesar, and Philippi would later be added due to the Tetrarchian rule after Herod. Fifty years later, it would be called Neronius, after the emperor Nero. So it's a place with many, many names, an appropriate place for Jesus to ask the disciples, who do you say that I am? Matthew sixteen, thirteen. When Jesus came to the reason, region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. There's so much here. I mean, this is amazing. Uh, The key to understanding here is that at the cave where Pan and the other deities were worshipped, this is where it all happened. This is where this conversation happened. But there's so much more, too. I mean, there's layers of understanding. It was actually called the Gates of Hell at the time. He called it the Gates of Hades. And while the secular world thought they were just worshipping their local gods, anything that is not of God, I'm sorry, is the de- is from the devil. So if if, if any, it, put it this way, any God that's worshipped that's not the God of heaven in Jesus, uh, it's a counterfeit. It, it's, a, it's a counterfeit God that people worship. And, it, and it's... It's horrible um, that the devil has distorted so many things um, to keep people from the true God. So they're worshiping a counterfeit of God himself. And and it's the many fake deities out there. It's just nasty. And here's a place where, um, unfortunately, in this place, and um, the the practices here uh, were terrible. Uh, They practiced human sacrifices. They thought the cave that was here, there's a cave here at Caesarea Philippi where the worship of the god Pan was at one point. They thought the cave had no end. So they worshiped their false gods here. And of course, they conducted human sacrifices even in the cave itself. 
They sent their victims down into the, what they thought was a bottomless pit as a sacrifice. It's a horribly evil place. North of here at Mount Hermon is a place, according to the book of Enoch, uh, where fallen angels came down before the flood. Now, we talked about this uh, a bit before, you know, way back, <laughs> maybe 10 years ago, uh, but, you know, the Noah episode uh, where, um, I mean, the Bible's pretty clear. You know, there was um, there was extreme violence um, in the land. And if you if you look at the original language, there was fallen angels, which had mixed with the, you know, um, the, mixed with the DNA of man and distorted just about everything. And it's the place where they made a covenant. Um, and, you know, this is only in the book of Enoch. I, maybe it's in a couple of the places. Um, you know, book of Jude references some things. But um, it's a place, according to the book of Enoch, where at Mount Hermon, it's a place where these fallen angels made a covenant to mix with humans, to trash human DNA, uh, which end up leading to the the judgment of the flood. So in this horribly dark place, um, it says Jesus was out praying alone. <laughs> so he goes with his disciples. Um, hey, well, let me just, and I ask myself, why would Jesus go here? Well, here in, in this timeline, he's the lamb of God that would be sacrificed for the sins of the world. But his prayers were still militant in late nature. Um, and if you doubt me on this, it's the order of things. If you're a Christian, as we are, we are actually born into a war between good and evil. Um, God and his angels versus the devil and his fallen ones. Um, you know, we, we may not see, you know, what's going on in the spirit, but there is a war going on uh, between good and evil. But check this out. Luke 9, 18. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? And I've got to just park it there as Jesus was praying in private. Now they go to Caesarea Philippi, the gates of hell, and Jesus wanders off on his own. <laughs> He's praying in private. He's praying in private at a demonic stronghold. Do you see where, see where I'm going with this? There's something going on here. Why was Jesus praying alone? And I'd suggest he wasn't alone. He wandered alone towards the gates of hell. I would suggest he was doing spiritual warfare with his invisible angels. So what do you do with gates? You open them and you close them. In this case, Jesus had to be closing them. Jesus was closing this open portal to hell. And if you, you want to know why he would do this, it requires looking at the kind of the New Testament chronologically. Because what happens next is another round of evangelism. This is harvest prep. In about a week or so, Jesus will be taking evangelism up a notch. He won't be sending out the 12. He'll be sending out 72 evangelists to clear another path, to save souls, prepare them for the kingdom. There's also another season coming um, where Jesus now preaches a brand, I don't want to say a new message, uh, but it's very, very clear now that now we're talking about the cross. Now we're talking about being raised from the dead. It's it's uh, extremely relevant, uh, relevatory. Um, how his message now is is very clearly pointed at the cross. So so back to the gate. So what is the gate of hell? And, and the purpose of a gate is to protect and monitor access in and out of a a city. 
It, symbolically, gates represent authority. Or say, for example, this was the access point for demons into Israel as a gate. I, I would suggest this because it is upstream, up the hill, the headwaters of the Jordan River. I don't know how all this works, but when Jacob saw a stairway to heaven at Bethel, we don't know, but there are places, specific ones where pre-cross, where angels would descend and ascend. So we have to assume there's something similar for the dark realm where they do their thing. And we understand this is this would be in places of idol worship and other places and dark contrivances like this gate of hell, right? And and this would be, it, it would just make sense in the places of idol worship, in the places of dark worship, dark sacrifices, uh, human sacrifices, these are portals from hell, portals to hell. Uh, and I don't say it in some weird, you know, you know, um, kind of a witch hunt type experience as much as um, evil comes from that place, right? That's where darkness comes from. That's where it comes in and even tries to flood the land because it has an access point. Here's an access point. They call it the gate of hell. Jesus is closing it. Or he wouldn't be there. <laughs> it's almost practical, right? So thinking more along the lines of it's not just a stop where he has a conversation. No, no, he's closing a gate to hell in this in this episode. Now, understanding spiritual warfare and that there's way more going on here than we even realize, Jesus is doing something far more important than that conversation. This is important, but behind the scenes and reading the language and references, even when he says something about binding and loosing, I get the take somehow spiritually just Jesus just closed that gate. Now, another gate to hell, I'm sure will open somewhere else at some point. Uh, but he did something spiritually here, shutting down this dark portal or principality, and at least for a moment, issuing it temporarily closed or shut down using Jesus' language of binding and loosing, or using our language, he shut the door. He slammed the gate. He slammed the gate and broke the hinges because of the harvest to prevent other interference. And perhaps he had some form of angelic assault that was about to happen, and he wanted to break the bridge of reinforcements that'll flow to the enemy as he breaks the devil's supply routes and power bases in the area. Now, it seems so, you know, human thinking almost that, you know, to think about it as some kind of battlefield or some kind of a, a war raging, you know, obviously in Revelation, Jesus shows up on a white horse. He says a word and that, you know, an enormous army is destroyed, the biggest in world history, right? So it's not that Jesus, anything's really a challenge for him, uh, but he is venturing to these points for a reason and these places. Uh, in this case, I think he's just slamming that door. Um, it, it, one day I'd like to know, you know, like uh, what happened there. Uh, it'd be super interesting it, it, to see in the spirit uh, one day in heaven. It's a strategic moment and a season shift as well. Uh, for Jesus starts to now speak of his death and resurrection. Uh, Jesus will be evangelizing and tearing down strongholds, causing havoc for the devil until in his rage, 
um, the, the devil will have Jesus killed. And unknown to him, he will actually be fulfilling God's plan of redemption. So back to who that I say that I am. Uh, Mark 8, 27. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked, who do people say that I am? Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus warned them to not tell anyone. Okay, so that's a simplified version. But Matthew 16, 17 says this. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone he was the Messiah. Isn't that powerful? He uses these words, keys, gates of hell, binding is a language of gates. Basically, the key to heaven is being handed to Peter, and he actually doesn't even realize it. And imagine a little, you know, David, King David back in the day, you know, boy David, he had no idea what it meant to be a king, especially when he was just just anointed at that young age. Peter will later run the novice New Testament church. His prayers were the future gateway to heaven. And obviously, unknown to them, and not really articulated until the Apostle Paul was uh, later the fact that we become this portal or temple of the Holy Spirit. And while the Old Testament spirit realm operated in a pseudo-limited way, after cross, the Spirit would be present with every single believer. And all of us being temples of the Holy Spirit where God's presence rests. It's, it's a powerful thought. It's the earth-shattering revelation but for a later date. I still like the question, who do men say that I am? While Caesarea was a place of many names, many false names of false gods, Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? (laughs) Isn't Jesus just so profound? Now we get to the fascinating part of Peter. He's spiritually sensitive, but his discernment is horrid at this stage in his walk with Christ. Like a reed blowing in the wind, he picks up whatever he feels. Uh, But Jesus says, on this rock, (laughs) he basically changes his name. Matthew 16, 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised alive. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself and take up their cross and follow me. But whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their own soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. you got to love Peter. And all of a sudden, what, what no, it just happened, right? Like, you know, Peter was fully on, now fully off. Get behind me, Satan. What? I don't know what to do with that except, you know, it's not like, 
Satan possessed Peter temporarily. Um, surely not, right? Like, you know, you know, I, I, except that Satan clearly didn't want Jesus to redeem mankind. And Jesus' primary assignment was to redeem mankind and not die on the cross, would not achieve his redemptive purpose. What Peter was saying was the opposite of God's plan. And that's when Jesus rebuked him. And Jesus didn't need um, one of his key guys saying, don't redeem mankind. <laughs> it just, it, it's, it's no, it's not what he's going to hear. Jesus's response that you are only concerned with human issues, human concerns. And that really makes a point. Peter is totally miss it, missing Jesus's point here. So to conclude this episode, we've got to understand everything um, going on here from a perspective that we've entered a new season. Spiritual warfare is ramped up. Evangelism will be multiplied. And now Jesus speaks of the cross freely. The gate of hell is closed and we're headed downhill from here to the redemption of mankind. A new season has dawned and confrontation upon confrontation will be happening with the religious and political spirits of the day. The scale will be increasing. Confrontations will be ramping up. Miracles and miracles will continue. Um, everything now accelerates towards Calvary. Everything towards the redemptive work of Passover. All things were being put in place, even a heavenly planning season in the next episode. And it's totally crazy to me that Jesus was actually looking forward to the cross uh, when all mankind would be redeemed a redemption that the world was crying out for. And here's the scripture, Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This joy that was set before him was our redemption and restoration to him. He loves us this much that he would endure the scourging and the torment and the punishment to redeem what Adam gave up to bring us closer to him. Must we reject him anymore? Must we resist his word and conviction? No. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Be brave. Follow the king that gave up his throne for a despised crown of thorns and a rugged cross. And in this Christmas season, honor the king who came as a baby to be raised a priest and die like a sinner to redeem you and I from hell's pit. Honor the king who slammed the gates of hell. Honor the king and praise his name and pour out your love toward him. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Message to Kings. 
feel free to check out the website, messagetokings.com, uh, or if you want to chat or connect with us, email us at messagetokings at gmail.com.